well done. You made it over the wintry river and through the woods, and you uh, survived the winter wonderland that's outside. I'm told the snowplows are on their way. Good news. So, uh, so this time of year, we gather together, and obviously, we celebrate the fact, and I want you to hear this, that there's nothing that can ever cancel Christmas. Praise the Lord for that, right? Because we recognize that the Lord Jesus came And in his coming, he was Emmanuel, God with us. Now, for some of you, you might have a little trouble sleeping tonight because you like this time of year because of the gifts. It was great seeing the kids, wasn't it? And uh, the piles of gifts behind them. That would be so much temptation for me when I was a little guy. Like my parents had to hide them, lock them up because I was one of those that was doing some investigative reporting before Christmas, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, when we talk about gifts, um, tonight we will have... Uh, or historically on Christmas Eve in my family, we will have a white elephant gift exchange. How many of you have participated in those before? You know, you know how they work, right? You bring your junk, you wrap it up, and you hope you go home with better junk, right? That's kind of how it works. And because we've hosted this at our home, historically, at the end of the day, there'll be some suspicious packages that are left over at our home. And one of my favorite things to do is to just take those up, wrap them up, and then have them magically show up in next year's White Elephant Gift Exchange. And you can just see it on someone's face. They're like, that's the junk I brought last year to get rid of, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You know, according to Wikipedia, we use that phrase, white elephant gift exchange a lot. And according to Wikipedia, I'm told that in Siam, a pretty maniacal king was historically known for giving away albino elephants, and there was a distinctiveness to each one. And it was quite a nasty gift to give to someone, like probably not a friend, but probably a frenemy, that you'd give one of these to, because that elephant would require you to take care of it. And to ra- and then that, that king of Siam would put himself in a position where go just visit and see how his elephant's doing under the care of that other person. Can you imagine that? You know, if they had the ability to do it, I'm guessing in their hearts, the recipients of that white elephant would probably have said, hey, let's return that to Cinder, right? I'm not sure if I need that gift. And today, as we celebrate the, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize that there were some people, historically, when Christ came, even though he was expected and anticipated, that there were some people that said, yeah, I'm not sure if that's for me. In fact, Herod was one who was antagonistic to the, recipi- re- the receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. There were others we'll study together today in God's word that responded to him with great indifference. And for others, I, I think that there was this understanding that literally everything was going to change because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's partially why the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, the season building up to Christmas, and then here on his birthday, we share these gifts together. We, we celebrate the fact that the light truly has come. But what that means for many of us is we have to accept that Jesus in essence, in his physical presence, being God meant the way things were being done were going to have to change. For some of us, we don't like change. Let's just be honest about it. In fact, if we could go back in time anticipating 2020 or even what we were going to anticipate for Christmas time or the holidays, the season, this, this whole year has been a year of disruptions, right? Unexpected things, the things that were canceled that we anticipated and looked forward to. And, and in a way, what I feel like for many of us is that we found ourselves kind of like those football teams that'll come to Cleveland a couple of months from now for the NFL draft. 
you know? They're, they're going to be on the clock, right? They're going to have their 10 minutes to decide how they're going to respond. And I confess to you this afternoon that for me, having not grown up in a time period where I experienced some of the nasty world wars that had gone before us or some of the events in history really haven't had to suffer personally, even the Lord has protected family members and things, that, that you've wondered in the back of your mind, how would I respond to a great crisis? And in many ways in 2020, we've been all forced to recognize how we respond. And for some people, and this is really the crux of the message this afternoon, they're quick to exchange their joy for something that feels an awful lot like darkness. For some people, they've been quick to just give up. And what we see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as he came into the world is that we see that there are some people who are willing to exchange joy for fear, there are people that are willing to find themselves deciding that they don't want to receive this precious gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he was anticipated. It's incredible to think back that back in the time of David, King David, that there was a promise given to each one of those, especially King David, but to the world, that there would raise up a ruler in his own line who would establish his throne forever. And it took a millennium before that would be fulfilled. It had been seven centuries since Isaiah prophesied of Emmanuel. These words we sing in our Christmas carols, that there would be a virgin with child and a son given. Then that son would be our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, our prince of peace. And those words, as powerful as they were, they would not be fulfilled for hundreds of years from after they had been shared. Even after Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, it would be 400 years before that day that that star would shine and there would be this fulfillment of the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. Even though it required waiting, the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, anticipating the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ is one that we get to celebrate today. Our Christ Mass is one where we put Christ at the center of what we recognize is the simple truth that 2,000 years ago, the Messiah, while he was not the one that was maybe expected by all, offered the ability for us to change from death, praise the Lord, to life. And this gift, unfortunately, was a gift that was rejected by many. This gift, as Jesus came into the world, the expected Messiah, the light of the world, what we would see in Jesus' life is that he would be the one that was anticipated and promised. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn them on, to join me, turn with me. Uh, to the book of Luke chapter 2. And this incredible story read by our children uh, a few minutes ago is one that I want to spend a few minutes together with you seeing the precious gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the way that he came, kind of unceremoniously actually, the way he came to an unexpected audience and yet the fact that he offered to each one of us the hope of the world. Jesus was the expected Messiah and in his own words, in, in the prophecies that were there before him, he would be, praise the Lord, the light of the world. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this, 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. You know, we did this this year, right? We took a census in our country. Uh, it was funny, in the first service, um, we had a man who was one of the census takers. Maybe some of you were one of those, and he happened to be the Brennan's census taker. And I will confess publicly, that's my name, but I would confess publicly we didn't fill out the stuff appropriately, so we had to come knock at our door. So we didn't care enough about the census to even respond to the inquiry about it until someone came knocking at our door. And this time in history, the taxes that surrounded this and the ability for the governors to know whom they could tax necessitated that David and Mary would take this, Joseph and Mary would take this journey that would require them at great personal cost, at, at risk. She's, she's pregnant, right? And they're going to travel this dangerous journey to come to the place to follow and fulfill what the law had asked of them. But what's beautiful about it is they're also going to fulfill the prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine traveling pregnant like this? And beyond this, then to have this child, not where you'd expect a king to be born, but the description according to the good physician Luke is that it's going to be in a place that was dark and dingy. It was going to be in a place that was the last thing you'd expect for a king, right? You know, you know pregnancy in general, I'm told, is difficult. I haven't um, I, ha I have interviewed some uh, precious people to me that have experienced pregnancy. You know what Carol Burnett says? She says that having a child is like taking your lower lip and pulling it over your head. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? So, so Mary experienced this, this pain of, of birth. But in this, in this time period, what's so beautiful about it is that here, this, the angels, the sky erupts with declaration of the Messiah, that he's come. Verse 6, it says, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Why would Luke include this? I think the author of this precious gospel wanted to remind us of the fact that the king of the kings, the, the one that was expected for centuries before, was received like an animal. He, he was recognized by shepherds. At this time period, shepherds were kind of the lowest people on the social ladder. And here at midnight, running the graveyard shift, the, the shepherds are the ones that the angels visit to declare the glory of Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 8, and in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The light was overwhelming to them, and they were filled with great fear. You know what I love about my God? You know what I love about Christmas is that what the incarnation means for us is that we can go from fear to celebration. That we can go from, from what this, these shepherds experienced personally. They were scared. The Greek word for this is the term that we get our word phobia from. And what the angel says, you don't have to be afraid. This is great news. 
Don't miss it. Don't ignore it. Here, we see it in the text. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear, literally filled with terror. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you great news. I added that myself. Good news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Isn't it incredible that Jesus, the expected Messiah, He's the light of the world, and he stands before these individuals. It's kind of three things about Jesus that stand out to me. We've been studying this together in this series. The first is that Jesus was anticipated, that the Messiah was predicted to come, and, and then ultimately when he came, people didn't recognize that he was there. Some of you had this experience. When I was a boy uh, growing up in Ohio, I went to the school bus stop, and I woke up one morning, looked at a clock, and realized that I was going to miss the bus. So I threw my clothes on. It was still pitch black outside, ran to the bus stop, barely with my coat. It's raining, snowing. It was nasty morning, and then I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And you know, there's that moment when you have to decide, am I just going to give up or not, right? And I did. I finally gave up. I walked inside, and I looked at the clock, and I realized that I had gone to the bus stop two hours early. <laughs> Great, right? You know, this, this time period in history, there were people that were looking for the Messiah, and he was coming. And then when he came, there would be people, educated people, people with great wisdom that would ignore him. But you know what's great? Is that there would be other people, like the Magi that we studied together on Sunday, that would, would travel over massive parts of the world to come to see this Messiah. Not everybody ignored him. Not everybody ignored the fact that the anticipated Messiah had come, but some did. What's beautiful about the Messiah is he truly is the hope of the world, right? That he is our hope. And beyond this, Jesus in his own words here, he claims to be the light of the world. I love this passage of John 8. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have, they will experience, they will understand, they will realize the light of life. Isn't that great? Such an encouraging statement to me. As we look at Jesus being the expected Messiah, what we understand that he is our hope, he is our light. And it leads us to the second point this morning, and that is the gift of Christ is offered to all, to every single one of us, that every person that's heard the message of the gospel, that this was a gift to all. Jesus said that in his own language. He said, I want you to understand, I am the light of the world But the incredible thing is that some people choose not to receive it. We know the story of Herod. We studied it together on Sunday. The story of Herod is fascinating to me because he was a man who understood that Jesus was worthy to be worshipped, right? But his response back was to try to silence the Messiah. We see this in Matthew chapter 2, 16. When, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem 
in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. In other words, Herod said, I want to return this Messiah to the center. I want nothing to do with him. Some people, when it comes to understanding who Jesus is, they just say, I want nothing to do with him. I believe that, that my way is going to be a way that refuses to change, to adjust, to potentially give up authority to another king. That's what happened. You know, uh, Herod would have been one of those people that in the gift giving process, after he says, oh, thanks for the gift, then he'd ask for the receipt. You know what I'm talking about, right? He, he wants to return it to its sender. Another way that people would respond to the gift of the Messiah is that it says this in John chapter one, verse nine, it says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was, not, was in the world and the world was made through him. This is a tragic statement. Yet the world did not know him. So he's all around him. Hey, let's be honest about how saturated we are about Christmas in our country right now, right? It's everywhere. Right? It's everywhere. It's every building we go into. It's every store we go into. We're, we're surrounded by Christmassy things, right? But for some people, even people who come to church on Christmas Eve service, they, they are surrounded by the light. And yet, and we sing about them, right? It's a part of our care. It's, it's what we say. But, but it, what's incredible about it is that they could do just the same thing that, that Herod did without murdering somebody. What we do is we just say, I want nothing to do with that. And remember what we're doing when we do that is we're trading hope for death. We're trading light for darkness. And, it, and I, I look at this truth and I say, wait a second, there's, there's something more in this truth of the gospel. He's come for every single one of us to have the opportunity to respond to. Isn't that great? It's so encouraging to think about this precious gift that's been offered to each one of us. There's this great story, Nick, Nick at night. Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus Christ in John 3.15. And uh, what we know about Nicodemus was that this was a time in Jesus' life where he's going to talk about his birth. So he's going to speak about Christmas a bit. And in this process, one of the things that's going to stand out is this man, Nicodemus, understands Jesus as being something that is important and good. But what Jesus is going to say to him is something that I think every one of us needs to hear today. And that is, I don't just want to be someone who's important to you. I want to be your God. I want to be your Savior. I want to be your light. Look at what Nicodemus said to Jesus. This man came to Jesus by night. It says this in John chapter 3, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. Now, now, why do you go visit Jesus at night? Well, for one thing, I think he was afraid to be seen with Jesus. He, he was a religious leader. He was a Jewish man. He was an authority, uh, authority in the community. And so he comes to see Jesus at night, and he says, Rabbi, in other words, teacher, we know that you're a teacher that's come from God. I want to stop there for just a second. I, I think this is the way a lot of people approach Jesus right now. He, he's a teacher. He's a good voice. You have great things to say. And, and, and we pick and choose what parts of Jesus we like, right? I don't want the parts that make me change my life. I don't want the parts that, that make me submit to his authority. I, I like you being a teacher. How about we agree on that? You're a teacher, and that before no one can do these signs, this is what, what Nicodemus says, I've seen you do some pretty incredible things. No one can do these signs 
that you do unless God is with him. You know, it's incredible about Nicodemus's ignorance is that he didn't understand Emmanuel. That God isn't just with Nicodemus, with, with Jesus. Jesus is God, right? And so we, we recognize that Nicodemus's confusion was one that Jesus is going to correct. Jesus answered him and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then he talks about Christmas in a beautiful way. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, anyone who believes in him, should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You guys, that's great news. That's incredible hope in the midst of darkness. And when I say that you and I in 2020 are people who are on the clock, I mean it. We're having to ask ourselves, who are we when things get taken away? I love this image. You think about this statement on the back of all of our money that we spend in God we trust, right? We're going to start a series here on Sunday mornings, um, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And the series is going to be focusing in on this question. And I want to challenge you in this area. In 2020, we've been forced to ask ourselves, who do I trust in when I lose my health? Who do I trust in when my wealth is at risk? Who do I trust in when, when people I cherish that are precious to me, some of which have been taken home, that have died, that have passed away? What, what happens when things that I consider essential to my life that are precious get removed or shifted or challenged? And I just want to challenge you. For some people, they've filled in the blank with something else, right? In fill in the blank I trust, in my circumstances, in my wealth, in my provision, and insurance, whatever it is, credit card, whatever. And I just want to encourage you today, the person who does what the Lord Jesus challenged Nicodemus to do, that declares, which I believe God still can be declared as being someone who's faithful and trustworthy and knows our needs and cares for us. When we declare, and God we trust, I'll just tell you, I've experienced it in my own life so much lately. We just, we just can find ourselves living in the light experiencing joy, finding ourselves in the midst of circumstances. I can't guarantee to you what 2021 is going to look like. Somebody said to me after the first service, I really hope it's better than 2020. That's what they said. We can relate to that, can't we? Really hope it's better than 2020. But if it's not, I can just tell you, I know who I'm trusting in. It's not me. It's not my ability. It's not the amount of money that's in my pocket. But instead, so when the world falls apart around us, we just get to find ourselves on the clock a bit. Who do we trust? And I believe that we can find ourselves trusting in Emmanuel, God with us, a gift that doesn't need to be returned. This is no white elephant gift. This is, this is not a game or a gag. This was a gift that when we sing these words, Emmanuel, when we sing these words, when we call him the light of the world, I'll just tell you, you've got one of three responses to it. One of them is that when the precious gift of the Lord Jesus Christ was given for some of us, we choose to reject it, regardless of of what the facts are, what we've seen historically, we just say, I just don't want anything to do with it. For others, 
We've chosen to attempt to ignore the, the precious gift of Jesus, to explain it away, to redefine it, to, to call Jesus a good man, but not our God. But for some, they're going to accept him. And I believe that this Christmas season, there's nothing that Jesus would want to say more to you. Just like Nicodemus, when he came to him, if Jesus could sit across from you on the day that you've chosen to celebrate his birthday, if he could sit across from you and have one conversation with you, it would be that conversation that he had with Nicodemus. Hey, I love you. I, I want you to know I died for you. And you can trust me. And if you do, it can change everything. He was great. His Nicodemus was one of the men. We see him again later in scripture after the Lord Jesus had died, helping to bury him before the resurrection. And it's an incredible time in history. And you know what's great is somewhere along the line, Nicodemus went from death to life. Isn't that great? And I believe every single person here has the ability to do that. So as we turn our hearts towards closing this service out today, I just want to remind you, we're, we're going to do a candlelight service. And isn't it interesting that this tradition of, of candles, you think of a birthday cake, right? We often put candles on the top of a birthday cake. You think of, of this image that we'll have. We'll turn the lights down. The worship team, as they come forward, will we'll sing this song together. And as we lift the name of the Lord Jesus Christ up, we're going to just declare that this is true, that the light has come, that this Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't just say that he's a good man. We don't just say that he is a, that little baby Jesus that's precious to us, but we say that he, as he claimed to be, is the light of the world. I pray for each one of you that you would receive that gift in a mighty way.